Mate, this is going to be awesome. It's not stayed to come down for that one. Hit him, hit him. It's more than just a hobby, it's who we are. Cracker. That's why we hunt. Welcome to the Educated Hunter Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Ultimate OE. Ultimate OE provides safe, unique hunting-based experiences for passionate hunters and outdoorsmen. From hunting stone sheep in the mountains of British Columbia, rutting moose on the gravel bars of the Yukon, to chasing roaring red stags in the highland of Scotland, Ultimate OE's paid overseas experiences are designed for hunters, by hunters, to maximise enjoyment, learning and experience. For more information, it can be found at ultimateoe.co.nz or flick us an email, give us a call, we're always happy to talk through what kind of hunting adventure would be best for you. So today's conversation is with Willie Dooley. Uh, Willie, I imagine most of, if not all of our listeners uh, know who Willie is. Willie is one of the, I guess, the main faces, the main characters of the television show NZ Hunting Adventures. Um, he shares this role as face-off with his father, Greg. And, and when we just have a chat, really, like it's, it's, it's a light-hearted chat. It's about coming from recreational hunting backgrounds in an, an arguably a very passionate family through to now being I guess the television show and, and the responsibilities that come with that the realities that come with that uh and, and we do lightly touch on a couple of topics but not you know I really didn't want to get in depth in any topic or issue with Willie on this conversation I'd like to at a later time I feel like he's educated he's surrounded by the right people his views are fair uh and, and so I would definitely like to do that as a podcast later on but but this one was you know, we stayed away from those topics. So uh, I, I, I certainly enjoyed the conversation. I, I, you know, I know you guys as listeners will. So please just get in and have a listen. And, and again, like like I say, I've said it on previous podcasts, you know, if you've got any feedback for us, it's always appreciated. We try and get back to everybody. If you've got suggestions for us, please don't hesitate in sharing them with us. If, if you'd like to be on the podcast, then, um, yeah, sing out. We're... we're we're open to any sort of suggestion, and if we can get the, the timing and the logistics sorted, then um, we'd love to get another podcast down. Alrighty, enjoy it. There'll be a bit of background noise, so people will just have to deal with that. Alrighty. I'll yeah. have the edit on that sort of stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. But that's alright, so I've got Willie with me. It's been um, hard fought to get this man locked down into one seat for a period of time, but we've got here. It is, um, we're packing up on the Shot Expo. So it's, uh, there's going to be a bit of background noise, but I'll do what I can with the edit later on to fix that out. But thanks for taking the time, Willie. I know you're busy, man. No worries, Kieran. It's uh, the reason we actually haven't made it happen is uh, Kieran's always a bit hungover at these shows. So. <laughs> you're going to let Matthew know way too much. <laughs> he works hard, but he plays hard too. So he's a good man. But yeah, uh, yeah. I don't, know, I don't know if it was my fault last time, Willie. I'm not going to give you that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe I was in the gut of that one, but um, but no, no, it's it's. It's cool to have Willie on this because I really want I want to have a chat about him. Like he's found himself, he's not going to like the wording, but quote unquote a celebrity of hunting in New Zealand <laughs> now. No, and and I want to have that chat with you about well, one the reality of it, but where it came from and where you hope it to go. 
Sure. That's, so, so where did hunting start for you? Uh, hunting for me, like my, I guess my dad um, absolutely lives and breathes it. I don't actually know anyone else who is probably as passionate as him. Growing up, like most people like to go on holidays to the beach, do that any sort of holiday was to the bush. Whether <laughs> summer holidays, New Year's, Christmas was in the bush. I don't know if mum had much say in it, but she, in her own right, she's uh, she's into it as well. Like, um, yeah, their background was, I mean, they were farmers, fencing. My mum was, you know, carrying stranger posts around, just stuck mm-hmm. in, getting stuck in. She's actually a pom. Like, she came over in OE. Her and dad met, and, uh, yeah, the rest was history. Yeah. Actually at Poronui Station, so. Yeah, right. Well, dad was up there, what was he doing? Capturing deer, just fencing, mucking around, that sort of thing. Yeah, so, yeah making well, a living. Making a living. And, uh, yeah, so from an early age was really exposed to hunting and I actually have a brother who was two and the funny thing is I guess we did a shitload you yep. know as I just said and uh, went down to Canterbury Uni I guess for me I grew up in Hawke's Bay in the North Island and I was reading the hunting magazines unfortunately NZ Hunter magazine wasn't around then it was Rod and Rifle <laughs> and I'd see these Massive big red stags in the snowgrass down in the Southern Alps, and for me that was the dream. And then you know seeing these big wapiti in Fjordland, and that, that was you know yeah draw card the cream on the cake. And uh, yeah, went down to Lincoln Uni down south, and yeah, just fell in love with the mm-hmm. place, and uh, just absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. And um, getting outdoors, seeing the game animals, just oh the terrain they're in. I just yeah, it's just so good for you know mental health good for your soul yeah physical keeps you away from the booze yeah 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 yeah. that's a good option <laughs> um so so coming from up north and, and hunting i guess under dad or mum and dad's tuition still would have been a big jump to find yourself as a lincoln lad <laughs> like you know climbing i guess arguably higher further yeah. solo missions like still a big learning curve right yeah absolutely it's um it was a big learning curve but it's also it was so exciting challenging yep. and rewarding because you know when we hunt with dad he's uh, he's not shy to say what he thinks and he typically <laughs> typically runs the show uh fairly well um so coming south yeah completely up to me i didn't know the spot like in the north island we've got it fairly well sus we have a handy spot so you just mm-hmm. have to go in any bit of bush and there's a deer there mm-hmm. um go down south huge place open country warrow choppers all that sort of thing to take into account you know the terrain's tougher longer travel times cold weather yeah. um but no it was just it was so awesome it probably took me i'd say a good two years to kind of you know suss out I get a honey hole yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i thought you know coming down south um people might go oh will he come up here and invite me up but there was nothing no, <laughs> nothing well not not a north islander <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. we don't want to introduce that yeah yeah so um but yeah absolutely loved it really got a mm-hmm. you know good good bunch of mates from uni and we just got stuck in like i look back at some of the things we did and the silly things and the mistakes we made mm. and the amount of time we persevered in terrible spots yeah 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 but, uh, it's just it's just character building and uh yeah learned a lot from it's it. massively character building and it's such a all the hunters i talk to they all have that period of time and it's not always university like depending on how it fits with an individual but yeah. they have that period where they just find a core group of friends that hunt with the same passion yeah same inaccuracies but just go hard and it's like a period of life where it didn't get much better for the hunters yeah you know and it's i think we're so lucky in new zealand to have that because you know like my international friends and stuff like they they grow up with hunting but they can count the entire amount of kills on two hands yeah you know over a 20 year generation of hunting you know 
So we're so lucky to go out and get that experience and, and hunt hard, learn from our mistakes. Like yep. it's hard to learn if you don't get to do it with frequency. Yeah. You could just keep doing the same thing yep. so, yeah, repetitively. Yeah. So it's good to good to get that across the line. And then so from at that point when you're at uni is the magazine running? Am I right? Yeah, the that? magazine that's been going ten years. So that started I think two thousand and eight. So I went to uni two thousand and ten, I think. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. a couple of years in. Yeah. 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 And dad was well dad and mum were running that yep am i they right were running yep. the magazine yep yeah and were you contributing for there like were you I were, trying yeah, to I, some I, form? <laughs> I did write a few few articles um mm-hmm. again it's a way like it's quite special well it's, it's 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 a changed game now you know back then people to share their stories to get a bit of i guess respect or people to give them some feedback on their trip mm-hmm. they had to write a magazine story really there was not many other options of sharing it now put it on Facebook, Instagram, oh, yeah. it's just instant kind of recognition yeah. and sharing that story. So back then, yeah, I wrote a few stories. Um, if there was a very special trip, like I think a few to Fjordland and maybe my first decent kind of Canterbury Red Stag, I think I wrote that story. Just special mementos. And I would, I really want to get back into the writing. It's just at the moment, pretty push the time. Going on. I, the, like I entered into that writing world a little bit as well. Yeah. And the thing with it is like, I think what we miss with social media is any context mm. and it's almost arguably and, and I'll get some backlash for this but it's like the biggest bluff out there oh totally like yeah. you know a, a, a good grip and grin photo but no context on where and how hard it was worked for yeah. and how many failed parts of the trip were there there's nothing that when, when you write that makes up the majority of the content mm-hmm. like the the actual last stalk trigger pull nice photos is that five percent of the story yeah if you have one hero shot it doesn't make an article yeah and then that's what that's why i think there's like the 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 print side of hunting still has some longevity yeah because and and partly because of the way we are as hunters we're not as modern as everybody else like we still like a little bit of primitive stuff and you know i'd classify writing and reading still a little bit primitive in today's world which is unfortunate but that's where it sits with that so that's and that's been the corner stay, well, my version of what the corner stay of the Julie's was. Like, you were that magazine, like, and, and that was, you guys were, like, leading in terms of adventure and hunt. And I remember my, my first show was actually the Tar show, mm-hmm. maybe 10 years ago. Yeah. And I obviously didn't know your dad, but came and did this. And actually met your dad and your dad and... Um, Roger from Fjordland Foundation and stuff. Like, they actually invited me around for dinner, which was yeah. really nice because I was like a fish out of water. Like I yeah. was, I was completely like gobsmacked with what it was I should or yeah. shouldn't be doing. But it was nice to have thought, again, terminology you're probably not a fan of, but like a celebrity for me because he was <laughs> for yeah. me like he was an editor, writer, whatever, uh, was willing to sort of say, "Hey, come out for dinner." Like you don't know anybody. Like mm. it was, it was really nice. Your mum actually cooked dinner. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was awesome. It was that was my introduction to to you guys or your family, I guess. Yeah. And then I guess so from this period where you're I guess found your feet, you're you're, you're hunting more. Like, what? How did you get to now? Because obviously now we we talk about NZ hunting adventures, like the the TV show, you know, and it's it's finding its own place, like depending on how people view it. But I view it amongst the top, like it's actual, it's real. And that, that's the bit I like about it. Second like, place, the hunting Aotearoa. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> we may have a story on that another time. Yep. 
how do you get to that point? Is it a passion or is it an interest or is it a mistake? <laughs> uh, all of the above. <laughs> no, um, it's funny because a lot of people ask me if you could go back, would you still do it? And yep. there's probably times when I go, shit, why have I gone down this path? When I'm sitting on a computer editing for, you know, four months straight without seeing any daylight and that's five years in a row I've done that and a few yep. sacrifices. But man, when... When we're on those long 10-day trips, like we're really lucky. I feel privileged with the show. We get to spend 100 days a year on the hills mm. on pure recreational hunting trips. Like, yeah, we do have a mm. camera there, but it's just like, it's a few tagged along with the camera. We don't yeah. really know you're there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so totally passionate. Like, I guess we are super passionate hunters and started with, that's the whole reason mum and dad started the magazine. Mm. Um, I guess they kind of thought, you know, there's need some, a new breath you know some life yep. back into the hunting magazine and mm-hmm. they started that vision I guess coined it NZ Hunter and that's really been us ever since and um, I guess for me like the mag you know they, and then all the other magazines really picked up their game and the, you know there's some great magazines out there now and that reflected how real hunting is in New Zealand but again looking at TV shows there was no TV show that showed what the average Kiwi, Kiwi was which was the Weekend Warrior 5 o'clock Friday heading off into the hills, getting some meat, chasing a big stag, and coming back with that fresh venison. Um, someone who really respects the animal, has great ethics, loves the fitness side, pushes himself, um, intelligent people. Um, not yeah, like yep. the more media always portrays that. But, yeah. um, and I guess we always talked about, we're like, you know, someone really needs to step up and produce a decent hunting show. You know, there were so many fishing shows, some great yep. ones. And there was, I think, I don't really want to name a few, but there was one prominent one uh, which Tinder has common <laughs> theme was shooting goats on the skyline, like, not, you know, back a farm, not knocking it at all, but to us, it wasn't what hunting was. It wasn't a, a representation, was it? No. So, um, so I finished Lincoln, then went into the ANZ grad program and was banking and having a heap of social fun, yep. probably getting paid too much for being a little shitbag, but um, <laughs> we thought, hey, let's, let's give this hunting show thing a crack and we'd produced a few DVDs so we had a, a rough idea of what was involved but still very commercially naive had no idea about the TV industry and how that worked and uh, we invested in some camera gear backed ourselves started filming our hunts just our normal hunts we were doing and uh, had a few episodes together the next step was we thought hey we, should, we need to approach a channel tried all the channels everyone was like we really like the content it looks good but Hunting's too much of a you know reputational One of risk those for us. Topics, yeah. Yep, which we uh, that's probably something we come up against all the time. And pitched to a, a channel, Choice TV. I've never heard of it before, but um, anyway, they looked at it and said, "Yep, if you can put a series together, we'll run it." So that was it. From there, we then went because we had to make it stack we're up in financially. The deep end at that point, yeah, we're yeah. in the deep end. So I was juggling the banking job and doing this TV show, using all my annual leave and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a few extra hours here and there, and um, picked up a few sponsors, and that was it really. So we've been on Duke, uh, sorry, Choice for a couple of years, and it was the funny thing was within season one, it was the highest rating show Choice had ever had. Hmm. So they were cool. something like, "Hey, well, at least Hillbillies actually know what they're yeah, doing." Yeah. And man, they crucified us in that first year. This wasn't right. We had to change this. We didn't explain this. We need to go through our gear. As soon as that first season went and it was successful, they really just that you guys can just do whatever Free you want so um, that was awesome and we picked up a game like if I went back and watched season one I'd cringe some, some it had raw content though yeah and yeah yeah and that, the, content's, the content's the key to it but also uh, you know like it's a 
it's fair to have grown from where you've started. Yeah, like that's same with, with anything. anything. Yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. and that, that, it's fair to be doing that. Yeah. And I think like the success was not only based on what you produced, but the fact that your your thought around the fact there wasn't something in that television scene was correct, and the fact that yeah. New Zealanders were waiting for something. Yeah, like they were just sitting on the fence waiting, and yeah. here it came. So yeah. they jumped on it. You know. And they, uh, the funny thing was, uh, within that same year of us starting, the Hunters Club started, and now yeah. they have two decent hunting shows. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it was really funny timing, actually. But it's, but it's good. It's what, um, it's what we needed, and it is a, a really good representation. Like we've got so many other issues going on at the moment that yeah. we need representation. What about? Because we, we'll have a lot of listeners, and I, I have a lot of young guys, obviously with the Ultimate OE, mm-hmm. that the part of what they want to be doing is hunting, then get into filming, then get into television. How's the reality of that? Um, how should I answer this? <laughs> Again, if you want to make something happen, you can make it happen. If you're that mm-hmm. passionate about it, like you have to make huge sacrifices. Yep. I guess the in the real world, finances, you know, they're pretty important. It depends mm-hmm. how uh, how comforting your girlfriend is. Of, yeah, of you understanding. Five yeah. years to follow your dream, but um. It's a hard one, but if you if you put something good together, pitch it to a channel, it's a big step up from doing the likes of YouTube and Facebook videos. Like yep. that's probably something I would point out is there is a lot of behind the scenes work that goes on mm-hmm. to make these shows, and um, we were by no means perfect. We still we're still not perfect. We still make mistakes. But I say say we go film an episode, it might be seven to ten days. We come back to edit it. It can sometimes be up to you know three weeks editing yeah, yeah, to get that final days. broadcast. Yeah. Yeah. version and uh, when you add 10 episodes into the mix that doesn't leave many days over not many the days in the year and I, and I think the the thing with it and the, the the realism aspect of it is like every hunter here in New Zealand has probably got a camera or a GoPro in some form and they've all got that one little gem of good footage Yeah. but when you've you've got to go out and create those gems yeah. like that's when it gets hard yeah. like you know like everyone can flip a phone open and show you something like oh, I've got this on film yeah. it's like cool go and do that 10 times over yeah <laughs> and mix the species up, mix the, the area up, you know, yeah. like, it's, poof, all of a sudden it's like, hell, hang on, that's way harder than it yeah. sounds. Yeah. And it's storyline, like, um, it's pretty easy to grab some nice animal footage, put a bit of a grunty track behind it and, you yeah. know, add a bit of wow factor with a few slow-mos. But I guess the key we've found is it's keeping that storyline. So saying what you're doing, where you're going, what you're doing, and it, mm-hmm. like, sometimes it'll be a shitty day, you've been in the rain, you just want to put the tent up and go to bed, but you've got to, Get the camera out in the rain, tell the story, put a smile on. (laughs) We're enjoying this and we're going here and this is the plan. But um, yeah, it's keeping, I guess for kind of, I still think of myself as a novice kind of film guy, but um, for novice guys, it's keeping that storyline, probably the step up Mm -hmm. from YouTube videos to TV Mm -hmm. is having a good storyline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's got to... It's got to enter, it's got to have a middle, it's got to finish. Like, it's it's got to be there. But you guys, like, just straight out on the show, like, Every hunt you do, or you know, experience you go on, is is an adventure, eh? Yeah. Like, you guys are covering some proper ground. There's no shortcuttings in it. <laughs> like, like that's hard. Yeah, it is. But I guess for us, it's our ethos. Like, um, there's plenty of like. Again, we hunt. If I'm looking for meat, I will hunt them back of farms or stations. And mm-hmm. you know, for a lot of people, that is reality. But I guess with our show, we wanted to. What drives me is public land hunting. Hunting mm-hmm. that is harder. That everyone can go to and if I find an animal I know it's had to have dodged a lot of hunters so that's kind of I think that's special and I think the majority of people do appreciate and relate mm-hmm. to that you know mm-hmm. they 
spots were hunting on the show. Anyone else, they can go they there. They can, yeah, yeah. They can bust their balls and go there. Good on them. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> You're welcome to yeah, it. <laughs> I know we, can't, we possibly are one end of the spectrum, at, but I guess... It's funny, you get into TV, we like to think of ourselves as more than just a hunting show, as you say, mm-hmm, adventure. Mm-hmm. That is the main reason we go out there. We go for an adventure mm-hmm. on the hills, like mm-hmm. um, mountaineering. It's something new to me over the last five years, but just the, the feeling of satisfaction of knocking off one of those peaks is just yeah. is absolutely epic. Yeah. No, it's, and that's something like, I guess, without getting really emotional about it, like I see that you've actually had to upskill yourself yeah. as a family yeah. to do this stuff. Yeah. Like, and that's really cool, because yeah. as you get older and longer in the tooth like you start doing stuff that's going to challenge you yeah you get more and more comfortable yeah and to see you know from where you started to then learning to do the the rope stuff and the climbing the peaks the the, the rafting like yeah like they're all new skill sets yeah they are and it's it's quite funny because people say oh some you know this minority i hope would say you know we just want to watch hunting we don't want to see mountaineering walking through snow or rafting but i guess what you're going to think is going on tv We've got to portray hunting in a good light. We want to bring in more than just a hunting audience, yep. you know, make yep. it the wide appeal. As well. we and that's more. probably a larger reason why we got onto TV One. So adding in that rafting, adding in the mountaineering, it's all part of the journey. Like the journey mm-hmm. is so key. And I think it, we have mountaineers watching the hunting show. Mm-hmm. They're not interested in hunting at all, but they tune in the show. We have mm-hmm. rafting people watching it. But it just, even further than that, it just makes it so much fun. Yeah. Just having an epic adventure, you come back, like you're buggered but you're just like oh that was so good and yeah. um yeah we have had to up school i actually have a lot of respect for my old man like he probably did a lot of the stuff but a bit cowboy he didn't yeah. have ropes didn't have anything and you know we're very uh health and safety conscious we have to be because at the end of the day mm-hmm. it's a commercial business so we have to up school and make sure we're um competent but um yeah just i mean even him in the last five years he's knocked off mount cook twice aspiring emma and Greg actually um, climbed the east ridge of Mount Cook about a month ago, walked in up the Tasman, up the east ridge, which is a pretty pretty, it's legit. pretty technical yeah. uh, climb, down the hocker, abseiling through crevasses and out, and uh, even for Emil, he comes, this is our cameraman, comes from Denmark where the highest hill is Sky Mountain, something like 200 <laughs> metres above sea level. Yeah, I was like 180 <laughs> yeah. And uh, look at that, you know, he's been with us two years and just climbed east ridge of Mount Cook, which is, you know, one of the a more challenging yeah. climb, pretty insane. So, um, yeah. How, uh, like, how did you get, look, this is jump straight from that to, where did you find Emil? Because it's hard <laughs> to find a, like, I, I look at that and I'm like, yep. like, you guys have a hunting passion and it's kind of, you yep. grew up with it, it was what yep. you do. I was like, how do you get a poor bugger to do the same thing and carry a video camera? Yeah, no, that's probably the hardest one is, you know, it's not an easy job. You need no. to enjoy being on the hill. You need to be, enjoy lying in a tent spooning next to me farting my ass <laughs> yeah. um, and it's funny because we for a long time it was Sam Mander was the early mm-hmm. Cameron for a couple of seasons and he's one of my best mates from Lincoln and hell of a man really talented musician and very artistic like he did some amazing stuff for our show and did really pick us up and a lot of that's to do with him and he decided he wanted to get back into the sustainable ag space he studied mm-hmm. um, environmental science at Lincoln and so he gave me a heads up, and I was like, cool. And then I was going, shit, who do I find? Yeah, so I, I advertised, and we had a lot of applicants, a lot with professional film backgrounds. But at the end of the day, can you put these guys, buddy, you know, for 10 days in the hill with a pack on their back? Yeah. Some pretty tough situations. Oh, and then the, the real re- oh, well, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn, but the real reality is you don't have a budget for a professional guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like when you're starting something like that, like it's, totally. I, I know it's beer bones. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know. 
So I was like, geez, you've done well. And, and, and um, the, it's quite a funny story because in season two, we did an episode where we went up the Karangarua, Kessel Flat Hut, climbed Sefton, shot a couple of tar, and the Copeland came out. And uh, funny story, when we're heading into Kessel Flat Hut, we saw these two dejected, broken Danish boys heading to the hut, and they'd tried to climb up to the tops after tar, and they got bluffed and blowing their asses out, and they're feeling, and we're going, shit, we better beat them to the hut to get a bunk. They'd already <laughs> been there, so they turned up, and one of these Danish boys was Emil. And um, we spent the night chatting to them, and we told them a few spots worth trying, and uh, gave him our email address and said, if you're up in the North Island and want to hunt Seeker, call in, because yep. he seemed like a good little bugger, um, trying to get his first bull tar. And um, anyway, we did the trip, and a few months later, we got this email uh, and the subject line was Stinky Danish Boy. And, <laughs> uh, and it was Emil saying, thanks for the, for the advice. I went up and he shot a near-on 13-inch bull tar, nice. absolutely wrapped. And now his parents were flying over to join him. And he said, we'd like to come out and seek it. Can we call in? So he called in. And then, and then we got to know Emil. We got to know the Hansons. And they are hunting mad. So his dad is Danish and his mother's Polish. Between Denmark in Poland they do so much hunting they have shot hundreds of roebucks all around the world they're just you know they're just such an awesome family mm. and um, anyway they turned up they're really hard cases dad sounds like Borat is <laughs> hello Willie <laughs> <laughs> holy shit <laughs> um, but just such a passionate guy and we sent them in into the Kawakas and they went in there and his dad's just so funny they, you know they got stung by Onga Onga Anyway, Emil ended up shooting a small seeker stag, and then they came out, you know, his parents had come all the way around the world, and we said, shit, you know, are you guys interested in doing an episode? So there we do, we, uh, we went on a trip with them seeker hunting, took them in, and eventually got his dad a seeker stag, and then later we got his mum a seeker stag, and then Emil a seeker stag. So um, by this stage, they've been living at home for about a month, we're pretty much family. Moved in. Yeah, yep, moved in. And they said, if you're ever travelling through Europe, we'd love to reciprocate and take you hunting, so... Um, Anyway, I ended up doing a bit of travelling in Europe the year after when I visited them. And I mentioned that Sam, the man that the old cameraman, was leaving and I was looking for someone and Emil you know, is quite a, quite a polite Danish boy. said, oh, I'd be just interested in doing that. And I was going, shit, does he have a background in film? But the raw ingredients were there. He's a mm. passionate hunter. He's keen. He's tough. And he you knew know, what you guys were up to. Yeah, he knew yeah. what we were like. Like, we're probably, you know, I'm not going to say we're the easiest family to get on with. Like, we're passionate. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. You know, there's a whole lot of stuff that comes with that. But he knew us and, you know, we'd seen him on the hill and I said, stuff it. So um, I, uh, we managed to get him a work visa with a bit of creative license. I won't mm-hmm. go into it too mm-hmm. much. But, and uh, came over and, yeah, just been awesome ever since. Like, mm. he's probably, you know, almost like a brother to me. I spend all yep. my time with him. He lives with myself and my partner at home. So he's almost, we joke he's our child. Yeah, you know? yeah. But um, just such a great worker, great work ethic and just loves hunting. And um, for him, living in New Zealand, doing this is like a dream come true. Yeah, I'm sure not all of the time when we're editing. There'll be parts. Day and night. Yeah. But uh, yeah, long story short, that's, uh, that's how Emil became yeah. the cameraman. And we're uh, pretty lucky to lucky, have him. Really lucky. Yeah. So one of the other things that I sort of, I guess, have massive admiration for is, and I know your mum hunts a little bit, but like the quality time you get, you get to spend with your dad. Yeah. Like, that, you're lucky to do that, man. Yeah. You know, especially... No disrespect to Greg, but he's not as young as he was. And I, but I know he's fit. Like, I'm yeah. not, not definitely. But yeah. you're lucky at that age, the, or the age of both of you guys, to still be doing that and challenging each other and achieving new things together. Like, that is a lucky offset of 
topless television show. Yeah, it's funny. We're so kind of caught up in what we're doing. We're running around hunting, editing, deadlines. You know, it's pretty full on. It's been pretty full on for the last five years. But times like this, you sit back and I actually reflect on that and go, shit, you know, that is pretty cool sharing those moments with, you know, my mum and my dad. Mm. Had some great hunts. We've been, you know, times when we've run out of food. We've been stuck in the tent in bad weather. We've, you know, we had a guy nearly die on the mountain on us, yeah. you know. We have been through some stuff and, uh, yeah, really cool to share that with mm. um, with a family member and, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I do take the, the piss out of Dad a lot, give him a lot of stick, but, you know, also have huge respect for him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. and um, I think I think that's the same with, like, you sort of touched on the minority. Like, there's always a minority that they're always walking or they're not shooting, you yeah. know, like, there's always that. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. But then Greg's a legend in that stuff. He really is. Yeah, well, to be honest, I embrace it. Like, yeah, it's more. We are more than just hunters. We're more than just killers. Yeah. We, uh, I love tramping. Like to me, hunting gives me really incentivizes. Gives me a reason to be out there. Gives me a reason mm-hmm. to push further and further, looking mm-hmm. for that. What well, may or donkey. may not be there. Yeah, yeah. Well, may, may not be there. But shit, even if if I wasn't a hunter, shit, I'd be happily be a mountaineer or a tramper. Maybe mm-hmm. not eating scroggin, but um, <laughs> yeah, maybe mix that up yeah. a little bit. So then, with that sort of hunting and, and, like you say, trying to, I guess, show ourselves more than just Neanderthals to the public, mm. like, like, have you seen that change, like, yeah, within I New mean, Zealand? Yeah, well, I guess starting the show, one one driver was there wasn't a decent hunting show around, and number two was, like, for me, like, all us hunters know what hunting's like, you know, we mm-hmm. respect the animals, mm-hmm. we're conservationists, blah, 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 um, but there was there was a lot of bad press in the media, mm-hmm. and I won't go into overseas because every every yeah, country is yeah, different, yeah. every population is different. So you, I can't make a big judgment call. But in New Zealand, you know, we have no natural predators; um, they need to be managed. And hunters do that free of taxpayer funding. You know, mm-hmm. we go out there, we appreciate the animal, we take the meat, we bring back this free-range organic meat from paddock to plate, essentially, yep. and. Um, it's just, it's such an awesome story. And mm. to me, a lot of people weren't aware of that. You know, they thought hunting's a cruel sport, yet they're yeah, going yeah. to the supermarket buying their meat. Yeah. Um, some beef Without cow that's um, been, you know, in a feedlot or in a paddock or was yeah. in a four-acre paddock yeah. for its whole life. So, um, and I think the cool thing about our show is we, we get feedback from so many people that aren't mm. hunters. Like, all my grandparents' friends are watching it. Complete mm-hmm. non-hunters. They might look away when we shoot something, but yep. they just, they really get what we're doing mm-hmm. and they appreciate hunters. And even mm-hmm. the Department of Conservation, we have lots of great doc staff coming up to us. They're not hunters at all, but they're going, that's so cool, you know. You're showing, you know, a good conservation reason to be out there. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so that's, yeah, hugely passionate about that sort of thing as yeah. well. Yeah, and I think... I, I think, like, it's part of what we advocate with this podcast is we as hunters need to be all finding our own little niche and, mm. and ability to just educate the uninformed. Like, the anti-hunters are going to be anti-hunters. Like, yep. I feel like that's not where we need to worry about. Yeah. It's, it's the uninformed. Like, if we can just show, you know, the the actual morals and mm. the respect and the, the effort and the reasons why we do stuff, I, I feel like... Because I, I, it worries me that more so than ever before especially in New Zealand but more so than ever before society is not accepting the hunter mm. like when you go back generations the hunters were like they were needed they were respect yeah. they were and I'm not saying I want to be respected for being a hunter but I, like society around us has changed so much that yeah. now we, we always seem as hunters we always seem to be having to 
justify what we do yeah. with terminology. And I, it's a little bit unfortunate that we've got there. Yeah, like, it's tough. I totally get that because it's funny. Like if I meet uh, a random person on the street, they say, "What? What do you do?" And sometimes I hesitate, hesitate to say, "I do a hunting show" because I don't know yeah. how they're going to accept it, and mm-hmm. then I have to go into long-winded conversation of justifying it. Yeah. And exactly what you're saying, that's bullshit. You know, we yeah. shouldn't have to justify yeah. it. But just the way the modern world has gone, we've distanced distanced ourselves through the convenience mm. of supermarket, through the convenience of takeaways and the like. Is, you know, I'm not blaming the people. It's just they're a little uneducated, yeah. and I guess the, that's. But we we never gave education to yeah. like as hunters totally. we didn't educate, and that's where I think this. It's so great now. Hunters are I think a lot more united, and mm-hmm. they're picking up the ball, and we're mm-hmm. trying to do that education, um, mm-hmm. and it's probably made a lot easier through the likes of social media and that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, at risk too. Yeah, at know, risk because um, there's. No restriction in that either. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, oh, I, turn you know, off comments, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but I think that's, you know, as hunters, we need to take a little bit of ownership on everything we're putting totally. out there. So it, it's always a, a, at least understandable. And that's, know, that's where I probably kick myself on if I feel like, oh, I don't really feel like telling the whole picture of this person because it takes effort. But, mm-hmm. you know, we, all us hunters should, you know, we should mm-hmm. make the effort to educate people. We should be proud mm-hmm. of hunters. Yep. I do a hunting show and mm-hmm. I kill animals but it's a great conservation story and yep. I'm managing populations and yep. feeding my family with meat you know we yep. should really be proud of what we do yeah and I, I think we need to be really honest like I I have I guess found a shift within myself just saying that I and I'm careful when I say this because it can be taken very badly really mm-hmm. quickly but I actually enjoy hunting animals and killing animals mm-hmm. I, and I don't, it's not I'm not like it's not distasteful it's not disgusting like I'm a really nice person I'm a family man I'm yeah. a husband but like something within my makeup still doesn't have a problem with that Yeah. and I get that for some people it really does but I, I think there's a, a percentage of population that's probably got more drive to be hunters Yeah. because the, the, it always has been Yeah. and I, I'm not I don't have the, the alphabet beside my name to justify that with science but there's, there's got to be something there Yeah. You know? it is funny because if we if we took away all those conveniences and we were forced to hunt for our food alone, it would be really interesting to see how the modern population goes. Well, would, um, for me, it would just revert back to the way it was and others that weren't hunting orientated yep. would do what they do. Because yep. I can't do a garden. <laughs> yep. Like, I know yep. that. Yep. And I'm not a naturally maternal, yep. so I don't do that. But, you know, perhaps if, if it was all taken away... Yeah. It wouldn't mean that everybody hunted, but the hunters hunted and provided. Oh, there's always fern and, the, and yeah. nettle soup. <laughs> yeah, and they can it. have that yeah. bit. But, you know, like, maybe that's... Maybe they, we need to understand that more. Yeah, I think it's... it's a big topic. Like, yeah, this, we're talking deep now, man. <laughs> this is a deep talk- topic. But I think possibly we need to look more into that, mm. and maybe that's how we educate people. We should say to people, you know, if we took away the conveniences, if we didn't have farmers providing this meat, these animals for you, what would you do? Mm. Would you be prepared to kill? Mm. If you are, then don't knock don't or put judge. down yeah, yeah, us. Yeah. And like, it's funny how you say you enjoy the whole hunting thing. Like, again, the killing is, is not a you know. It's a small, such a small part. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, when when people are young, you know, it is fun to shoot a gun and yeah. kill stuff. You do get a buzz of it. Yeah. For me, like, I've changed a lot as I've matured, and, that, and that's just natural. But what I really enjoy is I find butchering an animal, it might sound a little disturbed, I really find butchering satisfying. Mm-hmm. 
I like it for me it's the it's the end process you know taking off the meat I just mm. absolutely love it I find it really fascinating and boning out a yeah. leg and then the process no, that I goes it. with it like I it's fully it's cool. get it and I like I'm I, I guess a bit like yourself like just I guess through having done enough of it like I'm I'm already have that visualization when I'm pulling the trigger yeah like so it's already justified <laughs> in my yeah, head yeah. like I'm not like this yeah I, I've, I well not for a long time ever pulled the trigger without it uh, without knowing why yeah like I did when I was younger like yeah you know, totally. I'm lying if I said I didn't but but now every time I pull the trigger I know why and it and it doesn't yeah it, it's not uneasy for me at all yeah like I'm totally happy within myself that yep. I've done this yeah and uh, I think I think we as hunters need to really look to that yeah because we're, we're not wrong no we should and, and we, we should be ashamed of yeah, it no. yeah yeah but it's funny how you say that because I'm exactly the same I won't it's funny when I was younger like rabbits on the road I'd try to run them over now I dodge everything I can I feel yeah. like I might run over a piss something like a hedgehog or yeah. something but oh. <laughs> a rabbit that's, that's a waste of a resource like yeah. I'd rather come back shoot them and use them as dog tucker or eat them yep. myself you yeah, know? Yeah, rabbit yeah. hair stew and I same, I dodge you know I'm a hunter but if I see pheasants or ducks and ducklings I would probably crash my truck before I hit that duckling yeah. you know and, and um, even, even on the hill like and your, your show shows this Poor, poor England. NZ Tramping Adventures. <laughs> but like, you will see animals, and it's not, you don't have to shoot everything. Well, no. you don't, you, the percentage of what you shoot is so minimal. Not at all, yeah. You know, like there's times and all that sort of stuff, and the topic comes about like when you've got to do more shooting. But on the whole, you don't have to shoot everything. It's not, you don't, you're not driven to pull the trigger on every single thing that you see moving. No, like, not at all. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's actually not even in us. And it's know? funny, I get feedback from people we've had. Like our fuel in episodes, we typically don't shoot something because we're after something mature and, you know, you don't, because us as hunters probably need to pick up the ball there and stop shooting young stuff as we, mm. you know, there's not many mature balls around. So, um, but a lot of people say, I really like it where when you don't get something, I'm not mm. being mean, but it's cool seeing you guys stuff up or, you know, yeah, yeah. go so close and then how you're feeling mentally and your emotion, like people enjoy seeing mm-hmm. that where you go right to the wire and you don't get it. Well, know? the emotive stuff's real. Yeah. You know, and that, that's the thing, like jumping right back to the story writing. Like the emotive stuff is real. Yep. The, the, the photo with the dead animal is yep. no real about yep. that. You know, like, and that, that's where they're strengthening that. So, but I, th- I think within New Zealand, there is a small shift amongst hunters that have a shifting trophy to age mm-hmm. you know like I, like it used to be inches and points yeah and but i think there's a real shift in new zealand to start looking at age yeah it's, don't get me started on this because this is kind of <laughs> one of my bugbears i guess oh, no. like this because we we grew up in new zealand with douglas score mm-hmm. and douglas score although we're stuck with it now because that's what all the yeah. other um heads have been measured on but it doesn't reward age mm-hmm. um ones you know with heavy antlers which is a typical characteristic of mature hey. stags like you look in Europe like where Emil comes from they measure the animals on kilos they boil mm-hmm. the head then weigh yeah. the ant it's all done on mass so CIC uh, pass yeah okay yeah. Um, but here we're done it's mostly done on symmetry with mm-hmm. the Douglas score it's got a reward have even tines mm-hmm. either mm-hmm. side so typically that can be a young three four year old lightly timbered animal that yeah. is far off its prime far yeah. off its maturity mm-hmm can score well on the Douglas score or people think points. Mm-hmm. It's funny, to me, when I was younger, 12-pointer, 14-pointer, 
I don't give a toss about points yep. now. I want something old. Mass. He's done its breeding. Mass yeah. character. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, Emil and I always talk you about s- it. You like, start looking at like even the headskins are like, yeah. oh, that's the yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or a big one-horned doe yeah. or yeah, 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 something yeah. like, that's cool, you know. Yeah. Age matters. And that's yeah. really, it's really cool seeing that kind of come into play. But it is, I get it when you start out hunting. We've all got to start out. Yeah. And we're lucky that we have the ability to do that. Yeah. Because I, like I have this conversation with people and, and you know, like there's, that people that are saying like we you know we shouldn't be able to hunt like we do and shoot less now I was like well would we have as many hunters if our youth was about shooting one animal a year yeah I don't know if we would and we need to control numbers like something we've tried to pick up in the show is oh, we're guilty of it we do a lot of our meat hunting we do it off camera because you know they're usually short day hunts chasing yep. seeker not so much red, story yeah not yep. so much story and typically on these big trips we might hold out for a stag because if we shot hinds we couldn't carry all the meat out because mm-hmm. we're usually walking but what we've tried to pick up in the first two episodes of this yep. season is shooting nannies, yep. shooting hinds. Yep. We need a, if we want to, you know, control this resource mm-hmm. and or you know, be part of the yep, control, be part of the control. Yeah. We need to do our bit and control mm-hmm. them. So that's mm-hmm. shooting yep. nannies. That's good. It's so good because I've, I've I've seen it in the new series and the the, the real basic part I like about that is it was real easy for everybody to say, oh yeah, we agree we should have been managing. Yep. Like it's that's easy. Yeah, talks cheap. Yeah, you guys are making TV shows around it. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah, yeah. So I, full credit to that. But um, with the TV show, like, you know, now that it's up and running and, and people are sort of starting to get a following, like, is it hard to come up with new hunts? Like, you know, like, uh, it's uh, funny. Like, not come up with new hunts. Like, I, I just, I, I look at it like any hunter. I spend my life looking at maps, places yeah. I want to go, places I want to revisit, this route, there, here. There are so many places I want to go and not enough time. Mm-hmm. Probably the thing that's hard is keeping it interesting. So characters, mm-hmm. key content is king. Uh, people like funny, enjoyable yep. characters. Um, it's you got to put a twist on the show to keep it interesting. Yep. yep. And we're always trying to up our game. I guess until you reflect and watch some series, you don't really pick up on things. But yeah. Um, yeah so no, no, it's not like there's so many trips <laughs> yeah. I want okay, to do. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, that's good because yeah. that's. Is sort of something I got, maybe I sat back and thought about. I was like, oh, how do you keep, you know, with massive drive, yeah. how do you keep doing that? And that's good that you've got that. What about um, international stuff, or, or do you want the core focus around New Zealand? Um, I guess, like, there's so much hunting in New Zealand that, I, that I'm never going to do, even when I die. Places mm-hmm. I haven't been, things I haven't shot or experienced. But I'd like to start doing one overseas episode a season. Mm-hmm. Um, on the horizon is a North America Hunt, maybe mm-hmm. in BC if uh, Kieran and Matt uh, pull the finger out. <laughs> pull to get it together. Yeah, well, uh, we've started the communication. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, and the only reason I sort of, I guess, asked that question is I think New Zealand has an opportunity to learn from some of the other countries. Totally. You know, and, 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 and why I'm so happy that you've come up with a TV show that portrays hunting so well. Yeah. And, you know, the magazine backs it up and, and even the fact that you and your dad come across different generations mm. you know the, the real thing that i think new zealand needs to dial down on right now is we still live in a society that accepts hunting yeah not not as much as it used to but it still does mm. so now's when we need to mend the bridges build the new bridges have a better acceptance of hunting because like likes the the tarsh and i don't want to talk about t- issues with you like yeah. we can do this conversation another day but it, it rallied around a community and, and it it at least created some argument back. Well, if this was a generation from now, 
and less people gave, gave a, sh- a hoot about hunting, mm-hmm. there's, there's less support. You know what I mean? I, thought, I, lit- I honestly feel like, my opinion, as we are in the last generation where hunting is truly accepted, we're going to become more and more a minority. And so it's up to us now as the current hunting generation, older and young, to be influencing the, the uninformed, the people totally. that aren't hunting. Because yeah. like, you look around the world, you know, and it's, New Zealand's changing. Like totally. I, I'm down in Central Otago, and three or four years ago, five years ago, pig hunting out the back of Wanaka or Shammy Hunter or whatever, you'd roll into Wanaka with the animal in the back of your truck, possibly a bit of blood in the back of your yeah. legs, like really typical Kiwi. Yeah. Now you wouldn't dare. Yeah. It wouldn't fit in Wanaka. And Wanaka's surrounded by some of the best hunting we've got. Yeah. You know, and so that, that's what worries me. Our demographic around us is changing. So we need to jump and really be doing our part now. Yeah. And I, I, so I thank you for the bits you're doing. And I, I encourage anybody else. And then there's a few guys starting to do it now, you know, like so the, the, the cams in the point south. So yeah. like, there's a look, totally good agree. amount of guys in this generation yeah. doing their bit. And it's good. Totally. It's, I guess that yeah, we won't go into the tar issue, but yeah. what was so, I guess, the silver lining of the tar issue was how united everyone was. This mm-hmm. is recreational guys, commercial guys, um, helicopter op- operators, you know, all it brought us together. Anybody with an association. You know, all the hunting shows, you know. Mm-hmm. We're now doing boat races with the hunter, Hunters Club at the Seeker Show, <laughs> and we kicked their butt. <laughs> Point. Yeah. Um, but, no, it's awesome, like. It's so good getting on with everyone. You know, we need mm. to be united. We need to stand yep. together and, um, yeah, educate people. Yep. You know, I guess what was quite cool was with the Tarthling, they thought it'd be a pushover. But, man, did we create some, you know, as backlash. a collective, as a group, <laughs> yeah. some, some backlash. Yep. And they go, oh, you know, people yep. do care about yep. these animals. and these We're animals just going to keep matter. it going. You yep. know, like I, I like, I feel like we got so, we did so well, you know, and there were some key people in that, that, you know, rallied that. But we did so well as a community. And, and now have we forgotten already? You know, I know this key guy's yeah. still doing a lot yeah. of work, but did all those people join the NZDA? Did we become a number? Like, you know, like, mm. we, did we do those things? Yeah. Have we reached out to the Game Animal Council? Are we talking to them? Do we know what they're doing? Yeah. You know, I, th- I, I we need, almost need another yeah. positive reinvention yeah, of it. I know, <laughs> it is tough because now, like, it's like individual groups like the Tar Foundation, Game Animal Council are working through processes yep. and it, you know it stalls that have to wait on government departments all that sort of thing and people even message me all the time what can we do to help in that and I'm like well at the moment you know just mm. just wait and we'll mm. see what's coming but mm. um, by all means you know to get more of a voice join the clubs the NZDA yep. anything yep. support the Game Animal Council you know by all means contact them ring ask what you reach, can do reach out to them reach yeah out. that's like uh, and I I don't know if I've said it on a podcast before but way back in the day when I was first starting out probably the same first show that I did I was beside in the FWF booth and there was a queue of people that just basically wanted to punch him in the nose like because it was when they were starting up you know and they were going to be shooting all the deer and this was going to happen and and then go forward five six years people the same queues there wanting to thank him and appreciate what he's doing and that's where New Zealanders need to understand that we need to do our bit we need to understand and how we understand is ask the questions and, and ask them Without an expectation, without ego. Yeah. Like, actually ask the questions yeah. and get an answer and go back and think about that answer. Yeah. Don't, don't react to it because yeah. we're poor at that stuff. We yeah. are, Kiwis are poor at that. There is, yeah, there are so many guys behind the scenes, thankless, that have, you know, I guess because of Dad being involved in a lot, I get exposure to these guys. Guys mm. like Gary Ottman who have mm. devoted their life yeah. to fighting for game animals. The amount of, you know, 1080 drops they've stopped. 
um, Waro things that I've fought for. Like, these guys have sacrificed, you know, so much of their life for this. And, you know, they don't ask for thanks. But it's just, I guess as hunters, just think mm. before you speak. You yep. know, there's a lot yep. of guys doing good stuff. And try help out, you yep. know, get involved. Yep. And um, Well, I, th- I think the thing is we need to sit back and look at the intent. Like, it's not, nothing's perfect. Yeah nothing's going to be done with a hundred percent success rate and some of the ideas or the suggestions are going to be flawed yeah but the intent's right and that's where we need to be like okay so how do we help like have we thought about contributing yeah and that's where i kind of think like you know we're the younger well i am karen i don't know (laughs) we're the younger generation yeah we're we're the next of that generation and you know some of the older guys have had this shot and i feel like you know it's up to us Mm -hmm. you know we want to push and make something happen and you know, you look at the boom and bust cycle and the tension. and You know, I'm preaching to the converted here, mm-hmm. but it's so simple and common sense. We could all come together and work yep. out a management agreement yep. Yep. Um, that, that benefits everyone and stops the current ship fight. But mm. it's simply being allowed that opportunity to sit around a table yep. and nut it out. Like, a lot of people bag the Waro guys, the mm. um, helicopter guys, but they're doing nothing illegal. Well, most of them mm. are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, they're yeah. doing... Uh, they're making money, they're, you know, paying employees, and, yep. yeah, they're shooting and big stags because they make the most money from them. Can yeah. you knock them? But, you know. No, you can't knock them, and I don't, I don't think we can knock them really badly because we're still going to need them. Totally. Like, we, we, well, like, we as hunters contribute yep. a lot and can contribute yep. more, but not enough. Yep. And, and, and so we need them in a form. That is again. a common misconception where some wreck hunters think, we don't need choppers, we can do it all by ourselves. No way. We yep. need uh, these heli operators to help control yep. the populations, whether yep. it's shooting hinds only or either paying them to come in and do something, yep. you know, subsidising. Well, their I, 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 I believe in that. I, I, and I've raised issues with this before, but I, I believe hunters should be subsidised in warrow in a form. Totally. But if it was management operated and there was sort of biannual surveys, so they were like, okay, we, this number now is acceptable, yep. it's low, we don't need to do anything here. But the, the guys, and I understand there's a lot of logistics in this. Like the warrior guys then need regions so they've got other places to do their yep. work in and stuff. Like they are just another employer with employees, yep. like you say. Yep. So there's, there's a big kettle of fish in there. But I, I think that's the only real way. And, and when Kiwis tell me, like, we could do it, I'm like, no, you couldn't. The only ones you're doing now are on the back of Lucerne paddocks. Yeah. Like, you, you know, your last yep. video, like, I, w- I would hate to know how small a percentage of guys actually do a hunt like that to take out yep. meat. Yeah. You know, and, and partly because it's actually really difficult yeah, well, you know and, what I mean? and every, there's easier options when you're full in the know, freezer there, there is easier options everyone's like, not push for time they've got their couple of weeks of annual leave and they typically yeah. go on the raw and they want to target yeah. stags and you know they might not have the ability to take out hinds or they don't want to spook the stag by shooting a hind yeah. and that's cool but um, I think we've got to be realistic and mm-hmm. I really encourage guys to get in there shoot hinds yearlings leave the spikers yep. everyone likes to shoot spikers but you know those are even that's if you are potential. a meat hunter you know yep. if you're if you're compassionate and thinking about your fellow guys do like mm-hmm. to shoot stags, you know? Mm-hmm. So yep. I would... And if it's straight out management, then the, the female, you know, the, the result of harvesting females yep. fits with management. That's the breeding unit. Yeah, yep. like that's, you know, yep. that's where your result comes from. So yep. I agree. And then, yeah, yeah this, is, this is a big, big topic. I don't know. I, I don't want to talk about issues with you because I, I want, like, I, I just like your story. Yep. Like, you know, Joe Blog Hunter from an arguably super passionate family <laughs> to, to live in your dream or what is your current dream 
and trying to make a positive change like that that's mm. that's the story I wanted it on Willie so we'll stick with that but um so what's next like what's what's Willie got next so at the moment we are two episodes through 10 of uh, season 5 which mm-hmm. is on TV1 and TVNZ Duke and uh, we still have a shitload of editing ahead of us so after this shot expo I'll be back to the editing room with Emil mm. back in the hot box no aircon three computers running and we've probably got a couple more weeks editing and then after that we're hopefully tagging along on a Fjordland Wapiti hunt filming mm-hmm. season 6 and then no plans a lot of people ask they say oh, what, what, what raw plans have you got what your hunt's planned out literally <laughs> nothing is planned we'll yeah. just see what the weather's doing see where we think Animals are, see how the war is going, what's been hit, what's looking good, and yeah. um, just follow our nose. Like, it, yeah. it's so, we're so, we're really lucky in New Zealand that we have mm. all these different species. Like, start with the Wapiti bugle, and then it rolls into the Red Roar, and then the Seeker Roar, and then the, the Fellow, yeah. and then Chamois Tar. Like, yeah. it is just awesome. And every year, I just love following that seasonal yeah. calendar of events. I know I'm really privileged and lucky to be able to travel around and. Mm. Give it a, a good go, but um, you make your own luck too, though. Like oh, you exactly. Say, you know? yeah. Oh, I mean, you doing it, doing it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, no, that's cool. And it's what? So what? Well, here's a question for you, and this might be more Emil than you. What camera gear are you guys running? Uh, we are running a GoPro. For no, we've got um, <laughs> our main camera is a Sony FS5. Mm-hmm. We have a 18 to 110 Sony lens. Mm-hmm. I I do admit I'm not a camera nerd. Like I'm yep. quite no, like, I'm what do we need? Nerd. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, I guess our thing is because we're doing these big journeys, we're always trying to minimise weight. Yep. So that's, I guess it's it's a camera that's, you know, semi-professional, can shoot slow mo, um, and the lens is one eighteen to one ten. It gives us a bit of range. So, yeah. and then we do a lot of filming through the spotting scope on yep. our Samsung phones. And the funny thing yep. is, like, once it gets on TV, some of the animal footage through the phone is the most crystal footage more than this big, yeah. you know, ten thousand dollar. Sony camera so um, we do filming on that and we use the Garmin Verb action cams a lot mm-hmm. just it's funny like it's so cool seeing personal perspectives and yep. people telling their own little story on the action cams that sort of yep. thing different angles so of course drones but there's only a few places you can fly those yeah, a lot of yeah. rules cropping up so that's kind of yeah. restricting us there a little bit um, mm-hmm. and that's but it. it's good that, to be fair and this is only a, a current point of view not a not a rule like I felt like drones came in and they were used everywhere. Yeah. And I like that you guys are still actually just walking the damn hills. Yeah. You know, like, I, for me, I'm like, yep, that works. I like that because yeah. it's funny. Um, the drones had an awesome perspective, don't yep. get me wrong, but I'd almost rather they just all out ban them. So then, because yep. our competitors are using drones, <laughs> we kind of need to too. So, yeah, um, yeah. But if they just ban them, it, mean, it so it saves us from carrying a bloody drone around the hills. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, no, perfect. But, uh, yeah, a really cool tool, all the same. Oh, yeah, and yep. they are fun and all that. Like, yep. yeah, no, I don't We've actually dabbled with um, having them and, the, and having the dogs, the collars with the, the receiver on there, so the, yep. the drone's just following the dogs. Oh, so when you get yep. the bail up and it you know, stays with them a bit. But um, not so good in the Briar and Madagary. <laughs> <laughs> it needs to be tussled for that. Uh, lessons learned. But um, yep. I, th- I think, Willie, we better close this one up and Before get the packing up. runs us over. Yeah, but, yeah and uh, we've got planes to catch and so forth. But I um, appreciate you giving me that bit of time. Um, it was good to get a chat out. Uh, I would like one day later on to do one with you on some topics. For sure. Which yep. we need to be in the right mood for because yep. we'll get into some topics. Um, <laughs> so we'll do that one later on, maybe when you're living down south again or something like that, yep. and um, we'll get into that. But from now till then, good luck with the show. Keep doing it. Keep doing the message because it's good. Yeah. No, thanks very much. Awesome to chat and keep pushing with what you're doing. Yeah. No, thanks, good you. Stuff. Thank you.
G'day. Thanks for listening to the Educated Hunter podcast. There are a number of ways you can connect with myself, Matthew Gibson, or my partner in crime, Curran Island, at The Educated Hunter. And the hub for all of this is our website, theeducatedhunter.com. Our Instagram page is at theeducatedhunter. Our website also has a spot where you can sign up for our newsletter that comes once every two weeks and is full of relevant information about hunting in New Zealand and around the world. And lastly, you can search out any of the episodes that we've done in the past and find the show notes on that episode. Other than that, thanks very much for listening and I hope you're having a good day wherever you are and your next hunting adventure is not too far away.